Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, What more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a Weird homicide. described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. People talk, and sometimes it's that idle chit-chat that can land someone in hot water. On October 19, 1888, a cause of death was determined and became the first of what would be three murders attributed to one man. A man who was seen in the company of his victims and connected to their crimes by witness statements. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Little is known about the life of Albert Schmidt prior to his first murder. In fact, we don't even know what day or year he was born in. All we know is that he was a native of Potsdam, Germany, and arrived in Queensland, Australia in either 1881 or 1882. Later known as the Wagga Murderer, the first to fall victim to this mysterious man was found headless and snagged along a log in the Murrumbidgee River by a man named Richard Whitaker on October 17, 1888. Immediately notifying the police, a Constable Nixon was dispatched to investigate the body. Though the date was admittedly only referenced in a single source, the autopsy later determined that the man's head had been severed from his body by two distinctive cuts by, quote, one who is no novice in the business. A piece of flesh was found hanging from the shoulder and upon the body's back and arms were signs of not just extreme violence, but a fierce struggle between victim and killer. Though able to determine that the body had likely been in the water for less than three weeks and that this man was under the age of 30, no trace of the head nor clothing was found. And with no reports of a missing person in the district, The man's identity remained a mystery. Next to lose his life to Albert Schmidt was 54-year-old Prussian native Jacob Rick. Having been in Australia since 1870, Jacob was a resident of Ridgeworth, Victoria, had a successful job as a miner, and now worked in prospecting. He was a very industrious man who just so happened to be very wealthy. Traveling with a man named John Young Taylor on October 23, 1889, Jacob stopped to withdraw $30 from the bank. John, having up to this point paid all of the expenses, thought that Jacob was in dire financial straits, and upon learning that he was most assuredly not, the duo, with John fuming just a little bit, traveled to Lambing Flats, where they met Albert Schmidt. 
After prospecting for a bit, John Taylor went to Rushworth that December and left behind Jacob Rick and Albert Schmidt. Taking some of Jacob's items with him, he said he would come back soon and would write to the men. Jacob, however, was last seen alive on New Year's Eve after accompanying Albert Schmidt to Wee Jasper in a horse-drawn carriage. When Albert returned to Wee Jasper on January 3rd, he was asked by multiple people about Jacob's whereabouts. Giving various explanations, he then disposed of the carriage and horse. When John Taylor returned, as promised, the pair reunited and Albert, following his friend everywhere, tried to convince him to leave the area and head to Tumbarumba. Claiming there was a lot of gold to be found there, he even offered to help a local farmer repair John's wagon for 10 days to try and speed up the process. When asked about their friend Jacob Rick, Albert said that he left him behind in Albury. The pair soon left the area and on April 7, 1890, John Young Taylor was seen in Juni with Albert Schmidt. Mucking around the area, multiple people watched as John got drunker and drunker. Eventually seen at a hotel in Alfordtown, the pair left and headed in the direction of a mutual friend. Along the way, John, completely intoxicated, mocked Albert and called him a liar. After a heated back and forth, Albert picked up a tomahawk and hit John Taylor over the head. Falling from the wagon, the man perished and Albert, panicked, tried to find the best way to hide his body. He eventually went and bought a shovel from a nearby store and decided to bury his latest victim near the railroad. Noticing some men working nearby, he decided to camp out until nighttime. In order to ensure that his friend was not identified, he cut his head from his body and buried both pieces in different locations before burning his bloody clothing and washing off the wagon. Heading back to Wagga Wagga, Albert Schmidt decided that he would confess to all of his sins to a clergyman and then end his life. Before that, however, he needed to write down his confession in a notebook. While traveling along the road, he happened across two policemen who quickly noticed what looked like blood dripping off the side. Albert was arrested and placed on the wagon so he could be driven to the police station. Along the way, he attempted and failed to take his own life with a razor and then penknife, and when prevented, later grabbed his revolver and tried to fire it. Though the initial shot was unsuccessful, the second went off inside of his mouth. Somehow surviving the blow, Albert was taken to the hospital and from there directed police to John's burial site. While Albert Schmidt sat in the prison after his recovery and broke down on several occasions in the company of Reverend John McIntyre, word of John Taylor's murder spread. And when it did, those who knew about Jacob Rick's disappearance started to grow more and more suspicious of Albert. Hearing the whispers, mounted police and aboriginal trackers dispatched towards Wee Jasper in hopes of finding Jacob's body. Though it was never located, Albert Schmidt was connected to the murder through witness statements and Jacob's silver watch. It wasn't long before they learned that he had been employed near Murrumbidgee as a fisherman during the time frame of the first murder. And thus, all three murders were connected. At the trial, Albert Schmidt read aloud a written statement confessing to his crimes. Convicted of the willful murder of John Taylor, he was sentenced to death, and on November 18, 1890, he walked to the gallows and accepted his fate. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. 
Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on October 20th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.